If I was to ask you to give me one word to describe your week, what would you say? Just think. If I was to ask you one word to describe your week, what would you say? Uh, my guess is, is that a lot of you might say the word busy, or some of you might say the word crazy. Uh, in fact, some of you may be sitting here and you're saying to yourself right now, and this, this would likely be me, I, I don't even know that I can remember this week. I don't even know what, like you're asking me what happened this week and I, you got to give me like 15 minutes to sit down and actually think about what happened this week uh, because I remember we were here last week and then I blinked and now we're here again, right? And that seems to be uh, how our weeks feel like they're going to go. In fact, maybe you can, uh, I read this, I found this this week and I read it and I thought, oh, I can, I can uh, empathize with this and maybe you can too. All right, there's this satirical newspaper out there. I'm not telling you to read it. I'm just telling you it's out there, all right, called The Onion. And in one of the articles, this is an article they ran, it's, it's satire, it's sarcasm, both of which I think are spiritual gifts. But uh, I appreciate those things. Uh, but this, so this is a, a fake article, but I bet this, you know what this feels like, right? The article is entitled, Man on the Cusp of Having Fun, suddenly remembers every single one of his responsibilities. And the article reads, Marshall Platt, 34, came tantalizingly close to kicking back and having a good time while attending a friend's barbecue last night before remembering each and every one of his professional and personal obligations. Backyard sources confirmed. While he chatted with friends over a relaxed outdoor meal, Platt was reportedly seconds away from letting go and enjoying himself when he was suddenly crushed by the full weight of work emails that still needed to be dealt with. An upcoming wedding he had yet to buy airfare for because of an unresolved issue with his Southwest Rapid Rewards account and phone calls that still needed to be returned. Platt, who reportedly sunk into a distracted haze after coming to the razor's edge of experiencing genuine joy, fully intended to go through the motions of talking with friends and appearing to have a good time, all the while, he mentally shopped for a birthday present for his mother and made a silent note to call his bank about a mysterious recurring $19 monthly fee that he had recently discovered on his credit card statement. Everything's fine, said the tense, mentally absent man whose girlfriend asked him what was wrong after his near giddy buzz vanished and he remembered that he hadn't called his aunt yet to check up on her surgery. I'm having fun. According to sources, Platt tried to put his responsibility-laden thoughts out of his mind and loosened up but suddenly remembered a magazine subscription that needed to be renewed by Friday, a medical bill he thought was now overdue, and the fact that he needed to do laundry by tonight or he would finally run out of clean socks and underwear. I don't know if that is funny or if that's just too true uh, with what you experience, but I bet we know exactly how that feels. I got into my car this, this week. I had to drive from my house in Burlington into a meeting in Cambridge. And I typed it into the GPS on the phone, and I hit go, and it said to me, you have 13 miles and one hour and 12 minutes to go. And I thought, what, like three years ago, all of us never going out again? Didn't we just not too long ago talk about the benefits of cutting back and dialing back and not having so much to do? And it was forced upon us with a pandemic, and, and yet there was something about that, about being able to stay home and 
clear the calendar, be home when it's time to eat, or be, be able to be with people that we loved without the pressure of everything. And even as things started to open back up, you would have to drive somewhere and you would just get there in 15 minutes because you should be able to go a mile a minute when you're driving. And it seems like, I don't know, I'll just speak for myself. It feels like we've, we've backpedaled on almost all of it. That we've just gone back to how crazy our schedules were before. So many of us wear our busyness like a, like a badge of, of, of courage or pride. In fact, if a coworker asks you if you're busy, you would never say no because they might think you're lazy in our culture and how it operates. Of course you're busy. And you make sure that you're busy and you make sure that your mind is full of things. And it's interesting because our world knows we need rest. You don't have to look that far or that hard to find an article on Psychology Today or Forbes magazine or wherever you might want to go to find it. Just scroll through your newsfeed on your phone and you'll find plenty of reports and you'll find plenty of articles about the benefits of rest and the need for rest and you need to turn things off and this is what social media is doing to you and this is what your phone is doing to you. This is what overworking is going to do. Here's the dangers of burnout. Here's the dangers of all of these things. So here's a calm app and here's how your mindset should be and here's your wellness thought, and all of these things are, we know that we need it. We know we need rest. And yet it's so hard to find, isn't it? I mean, every life hack that I put into place to try and gain more rest or more space in my calendar just ends up stressing me out because now I have to do the thing that's supposed to let me rest. And so we're going to pause here at the start of a new year. I mean, I know it's not January 1st, but for many of us, this is when everyone's taken their vacations at work and now everyone's back on the team and it's time to kick off some projects or you're going back into the classroom. Uh, just things pick up. Sports are starting again for your children. Things are getting busier now. And so we're going to pause for about four weeks here and talk about Finding joy in God's gift of rest. Our world knows we need rest. And yet finding deep, meaningful, purposeful rest is difficult. The Bible talks about rest often and why it's important. As I was reading through scripture, preparing for this sermon series, and I was trying to get ready and reading different books and things, something struck me that I don't think it ever struck me before about rest. I, I don't know how I missed it, uh, because it should be so obvious. And the scripture that we're going to look at today in Exodus chapter 20 makes it obvious. And yet, for some reason, I, I, I've missed this over the years. I've missed the impact of it over the years. And that is that in the Bible, rest is not just a nice idea. Rest is not a life hack, the way it is in the articles that we read. Rest is not something that is designed uh, to make you more productive. It's not something that you leverage so that you can get more done. 
It's not something that you leverage so that you can be healthier. That's not how rest is given to us in the Bible. It's not this life hack that we leverage. It's not a suggestion. Rest is a command. And I don't know that I had ever thought of it that way. But it's right there in the top 10. It's number four. And I don't think they're weighted. I don't think one is, I don't think they're, I think they're all equally valid, all top of those 10 commandments. And number four are the verses we're about to read, which God commands that you, his people, rest. See, rest is a gift that God commands. And he commands that you receive it. Here's what he says. And we're going to look in Exodus chapter 20. And I'm going to read verses 8 through 11. God says this to his people. And he says it to all of us today. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It's interesting when you read those verses. <laughs> I don't often think of rest being a command. I think of it being a good idea. I think of it being a nice sort of side benefit that God provides, that I come into God's presence and I can rest. But I got to be honest with you, when I come before the Lord and confess my sin, there are other of the Ten Commandments that, that seem so obvious to me to be able to confess and to keep but the weight of what it means to actually pause from work, that Sabbath word means cease from doing work and to spend time in God's presence. I mean, it's one thing for that just to be a nice idea or a benefit that God provides his people. It's another thing for me to recognize that as a command that God gives to his people and to embrace it as such. That if I fill my schedule for seven days a week and I pack that full, and I buy into this, I get on this wheel that never ends. Then I'm not just tiring myself out. And I'm not just being unwise with my calendar. I'm breaking a command. One for which I need to repent. That hit me this week, the, the last couple of weeks in a ways that has never hit me before that I do need to go to God and say, God, I'm, I'm not pausing from productivity the way you ask me to. And for that, I repent. And I need your forgiveness. Sometimes we think about God's commands as things that stop us from having fun. They feel heavy and burdensome. Wife Lori and I, we have rules for our child, children. 
like all parents do. Our goal is not to destroy fun, but our goal is to help build things in them that will help them thrive in life. Not only today, but later on. And God's commands are the same. He knows you. And God did not say, people are having too much fun. I'm going to give them some commands so they have less fun. He said, I love my children. And they're going to forget important things. Because they don't see the world the way I see the world. They don't understand what I understand. I made them. I created them. And one thing that strikes me as I read Exodus chapter 20 is it's the only command that begins with this word, remember. It's like God knows we're going to forget it. I'm not going to forget not that lying is wrong or bad or murder or adultery or some of the other Ten Commandments. That, I'm, gonna, I'm pretty solid that those are wrong things. But I know for me, I am prone to forget as we walk through this life that rest is a command. And so God says, remember this. Don't forget this. My son Jackson turned nine a couple weeks ago, and we finally gave in and did something that we haven't yet done with our children, but they have been asking for for a long time. And I think I've actually mentioned this before. No, we did not give in all the way to the puppy that they've been asking for, but we did give in all the way to a hamster. And Jackson was very excited. He got a hamster for his ninth birthday. He loves this hamster. And, uh, and the hamster, of course, has, has a wheel. And it's amazing at, you know, at dusk, because the hamster is nocturnal, the hamster crawls out of his little box and across the bedding and gets into that wheel. And it is incredible just how fast that hamster can go. And my son, Jackson, who tends to be kind of an astutious kind of guy, uh, he said, you know, hamsters go 46 miles every single day. And Lori and I said, how do you possibly know that? And he's like, I researched it, of course. And so for four to six miles a day, this hamster apparently is running on this wheel. And I don't know how he sleeps with it, but he loves the hamster and he loves the wheel and he loves everything that's going on. But I watched that hamster and we're not that much different. That every day we get up and we get on the wheel and we go, 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 go for our eight hours. And then we're just tired and we sleep. And God says, I didn't make you like that. And you think that if you keep doing that, you're going to feel better. I'm telling you that I know you and I created you and you need to remember to stop. And God calls this a gift, but I don't know about you. Sometimes it doesn't feel like a great gift. It feels more like one of these commands that's designed to stop my progress. So what is the gift? As I thought about this more and prayed about this more over the last few weeks, the thing that God, uh, I felt like God was saying to me is that the real gift of Sabbath, and that's what this is, we're not talking about resting, like taking a nap. We're talking about stopping 
work intentionally. That the gift of Sabbath comes because when we actually take Sabbath, we get to remember what we often forget. And we remember that God is God and you are not. When you're on the wheel, feels like you're in control. It feels like you're making something happen. And it also feels like it depends on you that if you were to stop, the whole thing would fall apart. The family would fall apart. The work would fall apart. The, the school would fall apart. And you feel that pressure to keep going. And yet, when you stop and rest the way God calls you to, you remember a few things. One thing you remember that we see in Scripture is that God is the creator, and you are not. God is not just the creator of this world. He's also the creator of rest. He came up with it, and he put it in place. If we went back to Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, this is what we would read. It says this. Thus the heavens and earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. I feel like growing up, I always had this picture that God worked really hard for six days and then he was really tired and he needed to rest and so he rested. I feel like that's how this was taught to me or maybe I just assumed it. That God, he worked so hard for all these six days putting the world into place and, and uh, planets and fish and birds and people that he just needed a break. He needed to pack a bag and go to the Caribbean on day seven and just relax on the beach for a while. But the more I thought about this and prepared for this message, the more I thought, well, that's not the case at all. God never gets tired. God's not weary. So there's something else going on here. I also always thought that it took six days for God to create. But Jewish rabbis point out something that's really interesting here. That the text actually says that it's on the seventh day God finished his work. That he didn't finish his work on the sixth day. He finished his work on the seventh day. And do you know how he finished his work? By resting. That it's part of the creation. That it's a part of the work. And he didn't just decide to stop working. He said that this is a holy thing that is set apart for him. I'll tell you what I feel like that's mean over the, the decades, at least in the American context. Because it's a holy day, that means that you would have to get up on a day that you could otherwise sleep in, 
and you had to put on clothes that were very uncomfortable, and then you had to go sit through a service that you didn't want to sit through, and then you needed to go with, eat with family that you didn't want to eat with, and you had to keep those nice clothes on, and you had to be still, and you had to be quiet, and you had to be proper, and that would last through the whole day, and then you would get home, and you would be tired, and you would sleep, and the work would begin. I'm not sure that's exactly what God meant. But God does say something here in creation that we ought to pay attention to. He said, I created a plan in which I marked the end of the work. And I don't know about you, but the work never stops coming, ever. It was bad enough when we first got email I mean, I remember when I got my first sales job coming out of college, do you know how I got contracts signed? Inner office envelopes. Anyone remember? Inner office envelopes, right? You had that manila envelope. It had 80,000 signatures on the outside of it. You would put papers in it. You would fold it over. It was extremely secure because you wound a string like this a hundred times. And then you would send it through inner office mail and that person would get it. If you sent it on Friday, do you know when they would get it? Monday. They wouldn't even know you sent it unless you called them and told them. But now... If I send it on Friday at 6 o'clock, you know when they get it? Friday at 6 o'clock. And now I'm thinking about it all weekend, and they're thinking about it all weekend. In fact, they might just say, you know what, before I break for the weekend, I'm just going to get this done. And then another one comes in, and another one. And then we just add, you know, messaging services, so that not only you're getting the emails, but you're also getting Teams messages and Slack messages whatever else you use. People are sharing files. God's saying there has to be a time that you say the work is done. Not because there's nothing left to do, but because God modeled this for us. He's saying, I didn't just create work, I created rest. And if you want to be like me and bear my image, you will have moments in your week where you say, enough. So we're reminded in Sabbath that God is the creator and you are not. We're also reminded that God's the provider and you are not. Before God gives the people the commands, I think this is really interesting. Before God gives the Ten Commandments to the Israelites, they are in the wilderness and they need to eat. And so God provides them food. Does anyone, what was the food called? Someone tell me. Manna, right? So God provides manna for the people to eat. And before this even happened in Exodus chapter 20, back in Exodus chapter 6, 18, God says, every morning you go out and you pick up the manna. And then it says this, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread of the manna, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid aside till the morning as Moses commanded them and it did not stink and there were no worms in it. 
And Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each one of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. There is this thing inside of us that tends to put ourselves in the place that only God occupies. Where we say, unless I make it happen, it won't happen. Unless I find a way to provide, we won't be provided for. When you create and when you work for provision, you bear God's image. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying do nothing. I'm saying six days are for work. But we have this tendency to keep going and going and say, well, if I stop now, if I don't check my email Sunday night before the morning, if, if, I don't, if I don't make sure that I'm on top of things, if I don't always have my phone on me, if I don't always have myself available, if I don't do all of these things, like things might fall apart. We may not have enough. And we're just like the people going out on the morning of the seventh day. When I read that this time, thinking about it in this way, I found myself very convicted because I'm telling you, I need this sermon as much as anybody. I find myself, I would probably be those people on the seventh day where I took enough for six days. Or I took enough on the sixth day for two days, but I said, well, let me see if I can just get ahead by sneaking out here on, on, the, on the Sunday morning or the Saturday morning in this case and seeing if I could get a little bit more. And did you see how displeased God was with the people? He didn't say to the people, oh, I'm trying to give you a, a nice helpful hint here. Why aren't you taking my hint? He's saying, how long will you deny my commands? How long will you break my word? I need to stop. And remember that God's the creator and I'm not. That God's the provider and I'm not. And there's a third thing that happens on Sabbath. And the third thing that happens on Sabbath is I remember that God's the Savior and you are not. There is that verse in Genesis chapter 2 where it says that God rested, not because he was tired or weary, but because he had finished his work. And Jesus, when he was on the cross, said, it is finished. The work of salvation is finished in and through me. And yet there's this thing inside of me. Says, no, 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 I got I to gotta keep doing more. I got to keep God happy. I got to 
keep him impressed with how much work I'm doing. And God's saying, no, no, you're not the Savior. You're not going to provide your life meaning and purpose by getting on the wheel and going more and more and more and more and more. The work of salvation is done by me. I am your creator. I am your provider. I am your savior. And I am giving you the gift of taking time every single week to cease work and to rest. So when is the last time you ceased work and rested in the truth that God is God and you are not. It can be kind of embarrassing even for pastors to answer that question honestly. Because no matter what work you're doing, whether it's for-profit work or non-profit work, it's so easy to get consumed with the work. And to forget this, And God is saying to you this morning, remember. Remember that I stopped doing work. I called the work finished. And I gave this to you as a gift. In fact, I command you to do it. Not because I want to cut out your fun, but because I know you. And I know you're prone to keep going. And I know you're prone to tire yourself out. And so I'm offering you this command as a gift that you would have time every single week to stop and pull back. And remember that I'm God. And you can rely on me. You don't have to carry this burden by yourself. It's not on your shoulders to create. And it's not on your shoulders to provide. And it's not on your shoulders to save. God does that. And you, as his people, participate in it. So I want to end our time together today. Resting. I think it would be one thing to come together and talk about this. It would be a better thing to do it. I'm not going to invite you to lay down on the chairs, but perhaps if you need that this morning, you could do that. But I am going to invite our worship team forward. And I want to take some time and invite you to rest in God's presence. I wonder when the last time it is that you did this. That you just rested. It's funny how we work, isn't it? We say, well, I'm going to have a Sabbath day. I heard this was a good idea. I'm going to have a Sabbath day, and here's how I'm going to do my Sabbath day. I'm going to, for five minutes, I'm going to pray. For 10 minutes, I'm going to read my Bible. And then I'm going to pray again. I'm going to read my Bible again. And by the end of it, it's just a hamster wheel again. And God says, no, no, I told you to stop. Stop that. And just rest in who I am. So we're going to rest. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to listen and remember that God is God. And you're not. I'd invite you, if you would, to bow your head and close your eyes, and our team is going to play.
As your eyes are closed, I just invite you to listen. Jeremiah 6.16 says this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Is there any way in which you have hardened your heart towards God's invitation to rest? It might be practical resistance. You just don't know how you could make it work in your busy life. Could be a psychological identity resistance. I've worked hard all my life and I really don't know who I am when I'm not working. Could be a spiritual resistant resistance. I'm so used to depending on myself that I'm not sure I really believe God will provide for me if I break for a day a week. Or maybe it's something else. Is it your need to feel needed? Is it your addiction to technology? Are you afraid if you unplug, people trying to get a hold of you will be let down? God commands you to rest. Not to restrict you, but because he loves you. He created you. You are his child. He knows you need to rest. He is the ultimate creator and provider. That's on him. He takes that burden off of you. You are made in God's image. As his image bearer, it is right for you to create. And it is right for you to work. But God did not only create and produce. He rested. And for you to fully bear his image, you need to rest. And remember that no matter how much you make and no matter how much you work, he is God and you are not. Today is the day Christians remember the Sabbath day. God created it, he blessed it, and made it holy. Perfect and good. What do you need to release today? Where have you been living as if you are God? What unnecessary stress do you bear thinking it all depends on you when in fact it depends on him? Take a moment now in the silence and repent of your hurry. Let go of your self-sufficiency and express to God your desire to find rest in Him.
Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the, to the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me in right paths for his name's sake even though I walk through the darkest valley I fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. 